Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. Revelation 14, the verses that we're looking at today are going to be 11 through 20. Um, so uh, if you've got your Bible open there, listen as I read along there. We've got good things to see from that. Verse 11 says, And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. They have no rest day or night, who worship the beast in his image, whoever receives the mark of his name. That has been his warning. He's wanted everybody to understand this. Don't receive the mark of the beast. Don't do it. Don't worship the beast. The beast is condemned. The, the beast is, will die. The, the beast is going to be uh, wiped out. Don't associate with him. Stay away from him. Stay clear of him. Don't take his mark. Don't worship him. And the warning is, if you do, you'll suffer the same fate as him, the same judgment as him. And he goes on to say, that's a forever and ever judgment. Matter of fact, there's not a stronger way in the Word of God, the way the Greek text reads, there's not a stronger way to say it. It's, it's forever and ever. And he means forever and ever. That's how long the smoke is going to ascend from that. The smoke will be assigned to us. And I think it's good for us to remember this, that as far as us being in heaven, us being on the earth, kids, the, the, the condemnation, the judgment, the punishment will not be that far from our sight. We will see the smoke from that. Everybody follow where I'm coming from? We will see the smoke from that, and we'll know what that means, much in the same way that Abraham, after he had interceded for the, the angels who were going down to the city, going down to Sodom and Gomorrah, when he interceded for it, he got up in the morning and he said he looked and he knew. The smoke was rising from Sodom. He was a distance away, but he could see the smoke was there. He knew the judgment of God had taken place. That's what you'll be like. You will know that the judgment of God has taken place. That's going to ascend forever and ever. Now let's look at verse 12 because I want you to see something he says there. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. I'm going to stop right there. What he's saying is, if you don't take that mark, and it's going to be one of those very, very difficult times. You can't eat. You cannot buy. You cannot sell. I mean, the, the beast is going to make sure that nobody gets to have anything unless they are identified with him. That is a tough situation, kids. We've never faced anything. I, I shouldn't say, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can say that. We've never faced anything like that. You go to the grocery store, and there, there are the shelves are looking a little bit empty sometimes, but they get filled back up again. And there are some places where there are spaces left open. That's not the same as it was even when we were on Dominica, just a little island in the Caribbean. They depend on everything being brought to them. That's an island country, so depend on everything being brought to them. A storm or anything else eliminates that chain of supply. So when, they go, when you go to the store there, sometimes you'd see long spaces where there was lots of shelf and only one thing on it, maybe be one box of Cheerios. That's it. That's, that's a difficult situation. That's the way it's going to be. Can I, can I get this? You can't get in the store. 
You're going to have to show the mark of the beast or you can't get in the store. Remember the panic that went on when it sounded like we were all going to have to have proof of vaccination before you could go into any store. It's that kind of thing, kids. It's that kind of thing. You're not getting in the store. It's not that you can't, you can't find things in there. You don't get in the store. You don't get a chance to buy it. There's a number of things you don't get to do because of this guy. Blessed are those, he's saying, the ones who don't take that mark. That's the patience. When you look down and you see your family and they're all getting extremely hungry, can you imagine just how tempted you're going to be to say, it's just a mark. It's, it's not what's in my heart. It, God knows my heart. He knows that I, I don't believe in this beast. He knows I don't worship this beast. It's, it's not, that's not what's part of me. Uh, he knows my heart. So it's just a mark. My kids have got to eat. My family's got to have something. We've got to be able to get by. How easy it's going to be. Do you see why he calls it, this is the endurance of the saints? To be able to look at that and say, no, I'm not going to do that. No. Even if me and my whole family perishes, I'm not going to do that. Because I will not worship the beast. Kids, where this message is headed today, you must make up your mind of where you're going to be. You're either going to be on the side of the Lord Jesus Christ or you're going to be on the side of the other. There is no neutral territory. There's no let's wait and see who wins the fight and we'll choose up then. No, you are choosing already. You are already knowing whether or not you are going to support and worship and praise the Lord Jesus Christ or you're going to support and worship the, the coming beast. All right? I want to go just a little bit step further with you. Listen to how he says it here, verse 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Now, that doesn't mean that the, the others are not blessed. Listen, when you die in this life, if you didn't die this kind of a death, you're going to be in blessed and you're going to be in the presence of the living God. What are you simply saying? This that if you've been one of those who said, I'm not going to take the mark, and as and as I'm saying that if you've been one of those, I'm trying to tell you what goes on in that time. I'm not saying you're going to be there at all. I'm just saying in that time. But if you've been one of those who said, I'm not taking that mark, you're, you're writing your own death sentence. You're writing your own condemnation. Your life will end. And what he's saying is, because you took such a stand at that time, blessed are you for not taking that mark. Blessed are you for standing the way you stood. Blessed are you. You're, you're going to rest from all your labors, and your works are going to follow you. He's letting us know there is something good that's coming from that. So let's go. I'm going to just share with you something else. If I use the word Pearl Harbor, what comes to your mind? Second World War? Yeah? If, if um, we use the word, remember the Alamo, what does that bring to your mind? You say, I'm, we're not Texans, we don't know. Um, there are certain events. If I said 911, would anything come to your mind? Oh, yeah. There was a change of things that happened. If I said COVID 19, would anything come to your mind? Yes. There would be a change of something took place that changed everything then. Well, I've looked in the Scriptures, and as I've studied this, I've realized here's the big sign, if I could use the word, the abomination of desolation. As soon as I use that word, I want you to know that is the big sign for the end of times. That is the biggie. That's the Pearl Harbor. 
That's the 911. That's the remember the Alamo. That's remember the main. That's everything that could you could remember then is going to be the engagement. It takes place at that abomination of desolation. Let me just review some things with you. I'm going to put this platform back onto the, the tribulation time. This is the beginning of the tribulation. This is the middle of the tribulation. This is the end of the tribulation. Back here in the beginning, we saw several wonderful things taking place. 144,000 Jewish uh, evangelists were sealed up, and they started preaching the Word of God. Jewish people were coming to know Jesus Christ. Gentile people were coming to know Jesus Christ. Lots of people were coming to know Jesus Christ. It was a, a celebrative time. During that time, they got the temple rebuilt. And with that temple rebuilt, they had reestablished all the things that were going on in the Jewish period of time. People are trusting in Jesus Christ. There's a lot of wonderful things. Matter of fact, two big witnesses are here in this period of time who are talking to people about the Lord Jesus Christ, who are giving powerful signs. They do all kinds of things to all kinds of people, powerful, powerful witnesses. But at the same time, there has been the Antichrist that is rising to power, conquering people all over the world. He hasn't conquered Jerusalem. He hasn't conquered Israel, but he's conquering all over the place. And he is the, going to be participating in that first seal sign. He's getting all of that done. And as he's pursuing, as he comes into various countries, he's starting to martyr people who put their trust in Jesus Christ. He's starting to kill them, and that's going on in all the countries he's coming to. You see what I'm saying? So that's going on. And he's building up a crescendo. He finally invades Israel, and in invading Israel, he finally comes to Jerusalem. He marches into Jerusalem, kills the two witnesses, so they're not, they're not there anymore until God raises them from the dead on the third and a half day. Big things are taking place then, kids, after he's done that sort of thing. He now comes to the temple, shoes everything out of it, and there he goes and sits on the throne in the temple and takes himself up to be, proclaiming himself to be God. I am God, worship me. And somewhere in there, there is some assassination of him that takes place, and he's raised from the dead. So to all those who have a minimal understanding of what Jesus Christ is all about, all of those who have a, a kind of an understanding of what they think the prophecies are going to be about, they see the, uh, the Antichrist, the one we call Antichrist, that beast, they see him raised from the dead, sounds just like the, the proper Christ. This is the abomination of desolation. And it's at this abomination of desolation that the rest of this begins. And that's what's called the Great Tribulation, this area right back here. So let's just take a look at some of the things we have in our outline because I want you to see this. The, uh, the abomination of desolation is the beginning of the end. Something significant was here. The Lord Jesus Christ said, when you see the abomination of desolation. So he's pointing out this is a big deal. When you see that take place, get out of Jerusalem. That was the trigger. That's the thing that's going to start things everywhere. All right. So this abomination of desolation is the beast sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's Second Thessalonians 2 to uh, verse 4. You can find all that right there. I'm not going to go back and read that. I'm going to trust that you will go back and read that because I've got a lot of material I want to cover here. All right. What does that trigger? That triggers Jews must get out of Jerusalem fast. They said, as soon as you see the abomination of desolation, don't pack. Don't go back to your house. Don't go look for anything. Don't, don't just get out. Hope that you meet up with your family somewhere along the way. I know it's going to be tough on you if you're pregnant. I know it's going to be hard on you if you've got burdens going. I know it's going to be tough, but get out. 
because he is about to do something here that is going to be deadly for you. Get out. I have a place for you. When you get out of there, I have a place I'm going to protect you. I'm going to watch over you for the next three and a half years, but just get out. So it triggers that. The second thing it triggers is the image of the assassinated beast is made to talk by the prophet. This beast who set himself up in the temple, now an image is made of him, and the prophet who works with him, the one who's the forecrier, he now makes that image speak. And that image speaking is to counter everything that the Old Testament had said. The Old Testament had talked about idolatry and how foolish it was to be an idolater because they lips they have, but they don't speak. Eyes they have, but they don't see. Ears they have, but they don't hear. They can't move. Arms they have, but they can't pick anything up. Legs they have, but they can't walk. Why? Because they, they're, they're images. So in order to show his great power, another false sign of wonder takes place with this one. Not, not false because it doesn't happen. False because it deceives. It's a lying wonder. Does that make sense to you? It's a lying wonder. So he's going to make that image speak. As that image speaks, he does something no one's ever done before. This great idol is now speaking. No one's ever been able to do that before. This must be the one true God. You see how the deception is going to be there? That's why he says in 2 Thessalonians that because the people look to him, he will cause them to believe a great delusion. They'll believe the lie, and that's what they're going to do. And they're going to now start receiving his mark, start worshiping him, start praising him, start thinking how wonderful he is. He must be the one true God. A people must receive the mark of the beast or the die, and the worship of the beast and the dragon starts taking place. So all that's what's happening here. But let me show you what the abomination of desolation brought in heaven. So I'm going to step out of time right there. Now I'm in eternity. When the abomination of desolation took place, Michael, the prince of Israel, the, the, um, uh, the Elohim for Israel, the, the, the son of God that's Israel's watcher, he rises and now is given permission to finally have a war with Satan. Now there's war. And that war breaks out, and now Michael and all of his angels, Satan and all of his angels are having a war. And this is a time where Satan loses that war. And as soon as he loses that war, he is cast out of heaven, and he's cast to the earth. Now, he's on the earth in, uh, at the same time, the Antichrist has had his image all talking and all that sort of thing. Now, he actually enters into that Antichrist. He actually becomes a part of that. Now there's no tomfoolery. Now we know exactly who's behind the whole thing. This has not been a Democrat thing. This has not been a Republican thing. This has not been a socialist thing. This has not been a communist thing. This has not been anybody else's things. This thing has been run by the adversary all along. He's been using people as his pawn all along. Now he's done with any, any displays of using somebody else. He's himself, and he's enraged. All right, so let me go to letter B. War in heaven in which faithful members of the divine council finally get permission to battle and defeat Satan. And it was all resting on this one event called the abomination of desolation. That was enough for God to say, set it in motion. The rest of it is in motion. 
You've already had a seventh angel that sounded. You've had seven trumpets that sounded. And there's a one last thing that's going to take place from the blast of that seventh angel, from the blast of that trumpet. And it's all involved with all the raids that's going on. Now, once you get this picture, here the adversary is enraged with all the people who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He's enraged with it, and he is given authority to take war against the Jewish people and against all the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is going to destroy them. This is going to be instant martyrdom. This is going to be a traveling guillotine, kids. It's going to be cutting heads off as soon as you find it. If you don't have the mark of the beast, your head's coming off. That's where Matthew 25 comes in. Now, you remember what Matthew 25 is talking about? It's talking about the time when Jesus comes and all the sheep and the goats are gathered before him. And the sheep and the goats gathered before him, he said, here you enter into the kingdom of God because you took care of me when I was needy. What? When did we ever take care of you? You took care of my brethren. Because when my brethren were running from you, when my brethren were running from the adversary trying to find a place, you housed them. You fed them. You gave them food, a medicine if they needed medicine. You took care of them. You sheltered them. Those are the people that are going to go into the kingdom of God because they took care of the fleeing people who were trying to get away from the Antichrist murderous campaign. Everybody follow on that? That's what Matthew 25 is about. That you've done this to the least of these. You've done it also to me. That's when this period of time, that's when this judgment is. Everybody follow it? If you don't follow it, you have, well, um, we can talk about it another time, but I'm just, just to share that with you, okay? So war in heaven in which faithful members of the divine council finally get permission to battle and defeat Satan. What does that trigger? That triggers the kingdoms of this world become Christ by inheritance and decree of God. Remember that was when that seventh trumpet had sounded. They said, the kingdoms of uh, the world have become the kingdoms of our Christ. So this war in heaven triggered that. Now, all those kingdoms before, this is not a matter of having to fight for those kingdoms. They belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. They are his by decree. The adversary got them back over here by people's willing submission. Back in, uh, from the time of creation, our willing submission to the prince of the power of the air gave him authority over all those nations. But now, with the war in heaven taking place, the abomination of desolation setting the whole thing in motion, now all those kingdoms, by decree, he doesn't even have to conquer them. They are his, by decree. They have been removed from Satan's power. They are now in fully into the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now it's just a question of things that have to take place. Now watch what happens. With this adversary murdering thousands of people, maybe even millions of people, at the same time, from heaven are going to be poured out bowls of wrath, seven bowls of God's wrath, one right after the other. So on this hand, you've got the adversary killing all kinds of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and from heaven, you've got all kinds of people dying from the bowls of wrath being poured out. And you're going to have even more die on the day that Jesus Christ actually returns to earth and there's a slaughter that goes on there. Everybody see where we're coming from? So from this time, from the time of the abomination of desolation to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is a time of great death. It's a time of great suffering, of great sorrow. 
That's why the scriptures say, if God had not cut the days short, even the elect would not have made it. This is a powerful time of killing and death, kids. It's a sure thing. It is going to happen just the way he said it happened, just like it happened back here at creation when he said, let there be light, and there was light. Let the waters divide, and they divided. Let the land bring forth, and it did. Same way it happened there, same way the things you're reading here are going to take place, all right? So let's go back to 14 again, and let's pick, pick up with verse 14. Uh, well, let's go ahead and fill out these, uh, these things here. Your triggers, the letter B. The kingdom of this world became Christ's kingdom by inheritance and decree of God. Satan is kicked out of heaven for good. He flies, raging with wrath, to earth to inhabit the beast. It intensifies the persecution of anything belonging to God. And the great tribulation is now in full operation. So the abomination of desolation becomes the trigger that starts all of the events that are going to be called the Great Tribulation. Let us see. The wrath of God is going to be poured out now with great fury and destruction as the seventh trumpet brings on the seven bowls of wrath. The faithful council members begin to reveal the decrees of the council regarding unbelief and give one last call for repentance. And then we've just read it earlier. The angels proclaim a blessing on all the martyred ones in Christ. Their endurance is honored. They are coming to their rest, and their works follow them. All right, let's go to page two. Here we pick up on 14.14. Letter A in your outline, God has promised an end to the rebellion against his character and person. Listen, this whole war may be fought out using people. It may be fought out killing people right and left. But the war has always been against God. It has always been Satan's desire to take God's place, to rule in the place of God. That's what this thing has all been all about. That may find itself in political parties. That may find itself in dictatorships. That may find itself in just outright ugly war. It may find itself in all of that. But behind it all has always been the adversary, has always been Satan. And he's used all kinds of people to do it. He's used that wicked uh, Babylon to uh, motivate people for it, but he's always been behind it. You see, he's always one who motivates people themselves to do things so that his hands look clean. If he can just encourage you to do something that's wrong and you do it, he looks like he's clean, but you look like you're dirty. That's been his way of existence. So God has promised an end to that rebellion against his character. Let her be in your outline. The decrees of the council are at the announcement of the end of the kingdoms of this world. They are transitioned to Christ. Those kingdoms are. From that time on, all those identified with those kingdoms will perish. So that's where your choice, uh, the people at that time, their choice is going to be. They're either choosing the Lord Jesus Christ or they're choosing to live with Satan. But they're going to get one of those two. All right, let's go to letter C. The harvest is decreed and the harvester's commissioned to begin. There are two harvesters involved with this harvest of human life. Now, because Israel was an agrarian country, because it was a country that depended on food taken from the ground, because it's a pastoral type country, it is an agrarian country, he's going to use two signs that are important to them. You can't eat if you don't have food. And this first illustration he's going to give to us is that of the grain harvest. 
You're going to have to harvest grain. Matter of fact, uh, uh, well, you, you harvest grain, and the second thing, you're going to harvest the grapes. So you have two harvests going on here, and that's why you have two harvesters. All right. So the first one. The first one is this, 1414. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the, on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. It's one like the Son of Man. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Some are saying, that can't be the Lord Jesus Christ because he, he's not going to follow the commands of an angel. Yes, he will. And why? Because he's been following the commands of God Almighty, the Father, who is identified with the council for all the time. That's what he was doing back on the cross. That's what he was doing when he died on the cross. That's what he did when he was raised from the dead. This is the, the council and God Almighty making these meetings. So what, what is happening here? You have a script. And this script would say, what happens at the abomination of desolation? So what you have now, page after page of this script is being opened up. And they're reading the script out loud. And the characters who are responsible for it are carrying out that script. And the script says, thrust in the, the, um, the sickle and reap the, the harvest of the grain. Jesus is the one who's reaping that harvest. He's, he is a participant in this whole thing, kids. This is him regaining the kingdoms of this world. He's thrusting in his sickle. Now, I was reminded back in uh, Matthew 13 that Jesus gave a parable. He said that in that parable, there was a man who went out to sow. And as he went out to sow, seed fell everywhere and it started coming up. But the next day, the, the, his workers came in and said, hey, we just went out there. Somebody has thrown a bunch of weeds in there. Do you want us to come along and tear the weeds out? And he said, no, don't tear the weeds out lest you hurt the good grain. Then he goes on to tell us that the seed was the word of with the children of God. So he planted children of God on the earth. He said the weeds were the sons of the wicked one. They were the, the, the devilish ones. He said, let them all grow together. So that's the world we live in right now, kids. It's a world that's growing together with sons of God and the sons of the wicked one. They're growing together. He said, let them grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest, we'll cut it down and we'll take the tares at that time, the weeds at that time, and you go burn them in the fire and we'll gather the wheat into the barns. This first one is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's put in his sickle to that which belongs to him. Now, I, I'm understanding that a lot of, a lot of people may, may disagree with this. This is a judgment of, of the wicked ones. I think it's a judgment of both. You have those who are now being harvested, and the angels are going to come along, pick up the weeds, throw them in the fire, pick up the, that which is his, and take it back with him. They belong to the Lord God. They're going back home again. So that's what's going on with this. He's putting in his sickle to, to reap that harvest. So let me say it this way. A temple angel commands the Son of Man to thrust in his sickle and reap the earth. The council had determined the time of harvest had come. That was all written inside that scroll that he broke the seals on. That was all written inside there. The whole script for this whole thing. And once it opened up, who could read it? <laughs> Only the one who could open the scrolls could read it. 
so that no one else could read it but Jesus. And now he's opened up all the seals. All the angels are making their sounds. And we're, we're near the end. And what you're having is the angels of the divine council reading the script. This has to happen. Then this has to happen. Then this has to happen. Then this has to happen. And you're getting to witness that, kids. You are seeing something that's huge. You're getting to see in the future what hasn't even happened yet. You're getting to see this book opened that hasn't been opened yet till over here. Do you realize what a blessed people you are? Do you know what it means when it says, blessed are all those who read this book and keep the promises of it? <laughs> you, you have been reading this for a year. You are already seeing what is going to happen out here at the end of this thing that hasn't even happened yet. Today, when you go home, just say, man, I'm a blessed person. Man, God has blessed me. Who am I that I should know this kind of stuff? Who am I? Well, let's, let's go on a little further. The council had determined the time of the harvest to come. Let her see he carries out the action effectively, efficiently, and completely. This is the grain harvest. So when he puts in his sickle, let's look what it says. He had in his hand a sharp sickle. Another angel came out of the temple, saying, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap. The time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. That's complete. That's efficient. That's effective. When Jesus' sharp sickle goes into that, it cuts everything. It's the harvest. Now, uh, I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. Let's go into the next one. Then another angel. Now, look, these are all members of this divine council. Everybody follow me? They're, they're messengers. They're coming out to give a message. What does angel mean? Messenger. And they're bringing the message out. So here's the next message. There's an angel came out from the altar who had power over fire and he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle saying, thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vines of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. Wow. Gang, what we have here is an amazing second um, reaping. That first reaping took the harvest, the grain that he had planted. So those who are believers in him are now being harvested. And, and the weeds are going to be there. They're going to be taken out. That's the people who just couldn't figure out which group they're going to join. Okay? But there's another group, this group that's called the grapes here. This group is the group who definitely identified with the Antichrist. This is the ones who've got the mark. They've got the mark here. They've got the mark here. They want to rule with the Antichrist. They believe he's going to get this all done. And it's them who are going to be crushed. These two events are taking place as the bowls of wrath, the first event, the grain wrath. As the bowls of wrath are being poured out, it's killing thousands of people, millions of people. And as they're dying, that's that sharp sickle taking in the harvest of the people who are there. 
Then comes the, the last harvest where the grapes are all gathered, and that's the one he's harvesting the grapes from. That's tossed in the wine press of the wrath of God, and out of it comes blood up to the horse's bridles. That is the description of the coming of Christ and the battle at Armageddon. So that's those those two events. And what we're going to do, he's given us a pre-shadow of what the harvest, the, the grain harvest looks like, and a pre-shadow of what the grape harvest looks like. So you've got that pre-shadowing of them that's going to come up in detail as we come to chapters 15 through 19. All right. Brothers and sisters, you are living in one very powerful time. These are things that it's, for us it means get your faith more solid in the Lord Jesus Christ. Get yourself serious with it. Peter said to the people, now that you see these things and you see how serious they are, how great people you ought to be, how serious you ought to be, the times are drawing to a close. Stop fooling with anything that is vain and stupid and just not worth your time. Get instead serious with the Lord Jesus Christ. Things could happen very, very quickly could happen practically overnight, and will make a difference whether you know Jesus Christ or you don't. God bless you. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you and praise you. You are such an awesome God. We thank you for the love of the Word of God that you have given to us. Thank you that you are always true. You speak truth, and you can't do anything other. You are not deceptive, and you're not misleading us. You are giving us the absolute truth of the Word of God. For this we give you praise and glory and honor. We ask just now that you would cause us to be a people who recognize the times, who recognize the things that are going on. And we ask that for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll prepare us for those times. Let us be a strong and powerful people in the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and for his sake. Amen. For those of you looking for those last blanks, you're saying, what were the last two? They are bowl and second. Bowl and second. They are the bowl and the second coming. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's Edgemont Bible Church, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.